This episode contains adult language and topics that may be disturbing for some listeners. Such topics include suicide, drug use, physical or sexual abuse of a child. Listener discretion is advised. Hi, I'm Grant. And I'm Erica. And this is From From Crime Crime to to Crime. Crime. Welcome back to From Crime to Crime. Hey, buddy. How's it going? Oh, man. Nice to talk to you again. It's been a while. We took off a lot longer than we planned. Well, that's because you decided to convert to Judaism. So that right. Yeah. Yeah. I converted to Judaism just in the middle of Christmas. So I had eight days to celebrate. What happened was Grant got invited to one Hanukkah party and he just ripped the New Testament right out of his Bible. <laughs> and he's like, we're going with this. I'm not even sure it was a Hanukkah. Oh, it was, I guess it was a Hanukkah party, but her birthday was like the next day. So I thought it was a birthday party at first, but yeah, I guess it was a Hanukkah party. But we went on Christmas Day, so which was the eighth day of Hanukkah. So I think- uh, Yeah, it all worked out. Yeah, it was a great party. We had a lot of fun. We played uh, Spin the Dreidel and ate latkes and uh, brisket. So it was a great time. Yeah, that is fun. And you learned how to clean the menorah. Um, I did, but that was from watching um things I wish I knew before I was thirty on Instagram. That wasn't from going to the party. Oh. Yeah. Dude, that guy on Instagram, gotcha. like he teaches me quite a bit. So if you're not following things I should have known before I was thirty, uh, or something like that, um, you should, because 'cause I've learned a lot. Like how to clean a menorah. Yeah. Well anyway, thanks for bearing with us guys through this long break and we're back now and <laughs> you could care less about any of this stuff. I this is this is our, our friendship for everyone listening. This is it. I do and say weird things and Erica bypasses by <laughs> I most just keep of it. Going. <laughs> yep. Yep. I have this big mushroom fixation right now and I tell her all about the different mushrooms I'm finding about learning about and she couldn't care less. I don't care. No, I couldn't care less. Not even a little bit. And uh, and it's not like like the psilocybin mushrooms where it makes you hallucinate. They're just mushrooms that are good for your body. And she could care less about everything that I'm learning. And I think it's hysterical. Well, it's boring. So, <laughs> but what I did over our break was pretty boring too. So it's fine. Yeah. I helped plan an anniversary party for my grandparents' 50th wedding anniversary. That Then it came down to it and they canceled it. Which so. was pretty funny too. Yeah. That was a lot of work for not a party. Yeah. And you put a ton of effort into that. Did you put anything, did anything have dates on it? Do you have to redo all that stuff too? No, it's fine. They are going to go through with it. They just postponed it because apparently California got rain for once. Seems like it. So they're worried about everybody driving. I thought Papa, <laughs> just ridiculous. I just thought Papa Joe was getting cold feet. So they had to postpone, but. Oh yeah. After 50 years, I don't think <laughs> yeah, so. I thought he was like, I don't know about this. No, he knows. He's fine. <laughs> He's stuck now. <laughs> So we did get a lot of messages over the break about the University of Idaho case and the updates that have been going on. The big development is that they arrested 28-year-old Brian Koberger. But what's been uncovered about him is pretty interesting, at least at first. (laughs) It is really interesting stuff. (laughs) So we're going to go over that in today's episode. And then next week, we'll be back to our regular programming and schedule. So if you have any case suggestions, let us know on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, email, whatever format you guys usually yell at us about stuff on. And you can find us on Instagram at From Crime to Crime or on TikTok at From Crime to Crime or on Twitter at From Crime to Crime. Uh, or you can email us at From Crime to Crime podcast at gmail.com. Yep. 
before we get into this creep, Brian Koberger, everything is allegedly blah, blah, blah. I was going to say, you don't know that he did it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> He's innocent until proven guilty. You all know the drill. So Brian Christopher Koberger was arrested by an FBI SWAT team and Pennsylvania State Police on December 30th at his mom and dad's house in Monroe County, Pennsylvania, which is quite a ways from Idaho. So what we've learned about Brian Koberger since his arrest is that he was born on November 21st, 1994, so he's 28, and he was born, grew up, and lived in Pennsylvania for most of his life. He graduated high school in 2013. He attended Monroe Career and Technical Institute, but dropped out a year later. And there's been a lot of speculation, people who knew him, like out of high school and, and like in his early 20s, that say that he had a pretty big heroin addiction. Really? So this could be the reason that he dropped out of the Technical Institute. I mean, that's really early to get a heroin addiction, too. Like, heroin's usually a little bit further on down the path. But we don't know if that's true, but that's what people who knew him in that time frame have made comments that he was a pretty big heroin addict. And there's, a, like, a missing couple of years in here. So a few years later, he enrolled in Northampton Community College and got his associate's degree in psychology in 2018. So there's like a five-year gap there for a two-year degree. So it would make sense if he had a drug problem. Yeah. And then he got help. And then Koberger attended DeSales University in Pennsylvania, where he studied under Kathleen Ramsland. She's the lady who literally wrote the book on BTK. Oh, I was going to say that name sounded familiar, but I was trying to place it. That's because we listened to her lecture at CrimeCon. Okay. That, we sat in on her lecture that at CrimeCon. That makes sense. I remember, I remember that lecture. That was a good one. Yeah. So she's a forensic psych professor at DeSales University, and he took her course, which is just an interesting side note. Yeah. He received his bachelor's in 2020 and his master's in criminal justice by 2022. So this guy has a bachelor's and a master's in criminal justice. Yeah, that's super like, <clears throat> it's weird. It's a strange thing to have to have that when, when you yeah. find this out. You know, obviously many people have their right. bachelor's and master's in criminal justice, but. Yeah, they're usually on the other side of criminal justice. Right, though. exactly. That's what makes him very interesting because criminal justice is, you know, more or less police work. So he's trying to get like an inside idea to what was going on. Well, he then moved to Pullman, Washington to pursue his PhD in criminal justice at Washington State University. And he had just completed his first semester there nine days before his arrest. Jeez. And the, yeah, and WSU is like 10 minutes from Moscow, Idaho, where the murders took place. So, and a lot of people are drawing connections there because of his college Stuff they're like, oh, he reminds me of Ted Bundy, and Ted Bundy went to Washington, but Ted Bundy went to the University of Washington, not Washington State, just so right. we all know that. I've seen like a thousand TikToks that are like, look at how much he has in common with Ted Bundy, and like 90% of the stuff is like, well, that's not the same thing, <laughs> but okay. <laughs> Been to Washington. Great. <laughs> yeah, awesome. <laughs> so turns out this guy was a teacher's assistant also, so he like graded other kids yep. and other students uh, uh, it's just like weird it is weird yeah so he was arrested and charged with four counts of first degree murder and one felony count of burglary and allegedly he asked when he was arrested if anyone else had been arrested 
That's weird. Well, he's ripping off John Wayne Gacy. Oh, really? Is that what Gacy said? Yeah, because he wanted to make it seem later on like it wasn't just him, like there was multiple people. He wanted to put doubt in people's mind. And this is what you get with a criminology major. Right. He's going to know stuff. So he was appointed a public defender and held without bond at the Monroe County Correctional Facility in Pennsylvania. And like Ted Bundy, he got to spend New Year's Eve in jail. But unlike Ted Bundy, he didn't escape. So that's pretty sweet. Not yet. Oh, they're not going to let this guy escape. No, I know. I was. I watched that, that news conference today and they were like, yeah, you're going back. No bail. No. Like, yeah. there. I think he's in solitary or something because he is like... Oh, yeah. Not allowed to leave anywhere. Yeah, he's on suicide watch. Yeah. It's They're going to make sure they get this guy. By January 3rd, 2023, after his rockin' New Year's Eve at the jail in Pennsylvania, he attended an extradition hearing and agreed to be extradited to Idaho. He didn't fight it. So he was extradited by private plane to Moscow on January 4th and booked into the Latah County Jail. And they made a big deal about this, too. They put, like, a helmet on him and a bulletproof vest the whole nine yards. It was kind of like, okay. A helmet I can see because maybe he's got a spit or something. But, I mean, I don't think, I don't think a sniper's going to take him out. Yeah, it was pretty pretty interesting. So he made his first court appearance in Latah County on January 5th, the next day, and was charged with four counts of first-degree murder and one count of burglary, which is when the probable cause affidavit was released, and we actually got the information about the case against him. Because before that, we were just like, everybody was just trying to figure out what who this guy was, how he could know them, you know, why they arrested him. But once he was charged in Idaho, then they released the probable cause affidavit, and that's where we learned all the details that we know so far, which is more than we knew a week ago and less than we would like to know. (laughs) What are they? Lay them on me. So one of the biggest things from the PCA that we found out was that a knife sheath was left at the murder scene. They said that it was a tan leather knife sheath that was found lying on the bed next to Maddie Mogan's body, and it had K-Bar, U.S. Marine Corps, and the Marine Corps logo stamped on it. And on this knife sheath, they located a single source of male DNA on the button snap. So they have suspect DNA, but they don't know who it is. Right. So another thing that we learned from this PCA was that one of the roommates was actually on the second floor where Xana and Ethan were murdered and was awake and saw the killer. So before this PCA was released, most of the speculation was that the other two roommates probably slept through it or were on the basement level. But according to the affidavit, roommate DM was awoken at 4 a.m. when she thought she heard Kaylee playing with her dog upstairs. A short time later, she heard who she thought was Kaylee say, there's someone here. But authorities believe that this could have been Xana since she got a DoorDash delivery at 4 a.m. And her cell phone shows that she was on TikTok at 4.12 a.m. So the roommate said that she opened her door and didn't see anything. And then a little while later, she thought she heard someone crying coming from Xana's room. And so she opened her door again. And then she thought she heard a male voice say something like, it's okay, I'm going to help you. And she said this is when she opened her door the third time and saw a male figure dressed in black walking towards her, wearing a mask that covered his mouth and nose. And she gives the description of this guy as five foot ten or taller, athletic but not muscular, and bushy eyebrows. She said she was in a frozen shock phase when the man walked right past her and towards the slider door. She then closed her door and locked herself in her room. And we don't know much about, like, the door, right? We don't know how 
open it was or if she saw him or, or I mean, if he mm-hmm. saw her or anything like that, right? Mm-mm. Yeah. I mean, if she saw him, it's likely he might have seen her. But also, if he had just killed four people, he might have just been adrenaline dumping or making his way towards the door and not paying attention to anything around him. You know, yeah. you don't know. It doesn't specify in the probable cause affidavit whether he saw her or not. And 911 was not called until 11.58 a.m. the next day. Or that day, but 11.58 a.m., so almost eight hours later. Yeah. And from what we know from before, one of the roommate's cell phones was used to call 911. But they don't say which roommate or who called or what. So there's a lot of speculation about that eight hours that she saw this guy... Heard everything she heard, and then well, and, and I mean, didn't call nine one one. I think under normal circumstances, seeing somebody wearing a mask in your house is a weird thing. But in the last three years, we've been conditioned to be like, that's a pretty normal thing. So yeah. I think that there's some leeway there for her not immediately thinking something was up. Well, especially because it's not like there's nothing in this that says that she knows for sure he just killed her entire household. Well, that's what I mean. But like if any other time in your life, if somebody had been walking around your house at any point in a mask, that's a red flag. But because of the last three years, it's now like not so much of a big deal. Maybe it was... You know, a booty call for one of her roommates or something like that, you know? No, totally. She did say she didn't recognize the guy, but there's no other descriptions like that he was, that she noticed if he was bloody or was he holding a knife or, I mean, she there was nothing that says any of that. So we don't know if she just locked her door because she didn't know what was going on and then went to bed and then didn't realize something was wrong until the next day. Or if she was scared out of her mind, traumatized, maybe she did see something worse than, you know, what the affidavit says. And then maybe trauma kicked in. We don't know. It is a huge gap between when she saw what happened and then when 911 was called. Yeah, that is a big gap. And that's it is. I mean, and obviously that is a little suspicious. I think most of us think that if they see somebody in our house that we don't know, that's automatic red flag. But I think when you're in college, it's so common. And there's people you don't know what. Yeah. In and out of your house all the time. Your first thought is not going to be he just killed my whole oh, house. Of course. And aren't most of them in sororities and fraternities and stuff anyway. So yeah. like I'm pos- I know when you're in college, you just see random people coming in and out of your house. and You're like, oh, hmm, yeah. OK, now. Yeah, now that's weird. But (laughs) at this point in your life, this is when that's supposed to happen. Right. So they also found a footprint outside the roommate's door from what they said is a diamond pattern sole, like a van shoe. So that backs up what she said about him walking right past her door to the slider. Yeah. The next thing that we find out is about the Hyundai Elantra that we've known now for weeks that they've been searching for. So the police did a video canvas and got multiple video surveillance camera footage from nearby houses and businesses, which is what you said in the beginning, remember? You were like, how can this not be on video? And I'm like, I don't know. But what they did see on the video was a white Hyundai Elantra multiple times all throughout the the evening of the murders. And initially they thought it was a 2011 to 13, but then they realized it could have been a 2011 to 2016. And the affidavit says that in these videos, the vehicle passed by the house four times starting at 3.29 a.m. And the last time was at 4.04 a.m. And then it was seen again at 4.20 a.m., leaving the neighborhood at a high rate of speed, headed south out of Moscow. So 16 minutes. It was seen at 4.04 a.m. And then it was seen leaving the neighborhood at a high rate of speed at 4.20 So all of this happened in 16 minutes. That's so 
crazy that he could kill four people that fast and be out. This was calculated. Yeah. I mean, he had to know the area. He had to know what he was doing. I would assume he would had been in the house before and knew who was in there, right? Like, this doesn't seem like something you just kind of do willy-nilly, like, right? Yeah, I mean, there's nothing in the probable cause affidavit that proves that he knew any of the occupants, but that doesn't mean he had never been there, because we'll find out later he had been there. And Really? I hadn't heard that. Well, we don't know if he's been in the house, but he's been to the house. And we'll find out later, there's a bunch of body cam footage now that's been released since of different um, noise complaint calls and stuff like that to the house. And there was one time that the police showed up to the house and nobody that lived there was in the house. All the people who actually lived there were not even there and there was people partying at their house yeah which only happens right (laughs) but it's like how how do we know that he never went in on one of those occasions you know when there was a lot of people there and he could just blend in although this guy isn't real blendable yeah I mean, he looks significantly older than everybody else and weird. Do you think he looks significantly older? I didn't think so. The guy's 28 years old. I mean, these kids were what, 24, right? Is that right? 20 and 21. So, I mean, that is older for sure, but I don't know. Like the pictures I've seen of him, he doesn't look super old, but, or I mean, super older than them, but. I know. He doesn't seem like he'd fit in with this crowd. Probably didn't fit in many crowds (laughs) most of his life. That's why we've gotten here. Yep. So they track this car leaving. Pullman, Washington at 2.44 a.m., according to all this video footage, and then coming back to Pullman, Washington at 5.25 a.m. So after the police figure all this out with the white Hyundai Elantra, they asked other law enforcement agencies and the media and all that stuff to be on the lookout for a white Hyundai Elantra. And a Washington State University police officer searched the school database and found Koberger's registration. Oh. And then less than 30 minutes later, another Washington State University police officer found Koberger's car in the parking lot of the building that he lived in, the apartment complex that uh-huh. he lived in, while literally out looking for white Hyundai Elantras. He's like, oh, here's one. Really? So this is, yeah, so this is when they started looking into Koberger real hard. And they found out that he had been stopped by the police twice before the killings, just for random traffic stops. He was pulled over once in Moscow, Idaho, in August, and again in October at WSU. And both times he was in his white Hyundai Elantra, but he had Pennsylvania license plates. But on November 18th, he registered the white Hyundai Elantra in Washington. Oh. So after the murders, he changed his license plates on his car from Pennsylvania to Washington. This is what you get when a criminal criminal justice PhD goes bad. Yeah. So then his car was spo- then they find out that his car was spotted by a plate reader in Loma, Colorado on December 13th. Dang. Then he was stopped by officers in Indiana twice in the same day for following too closely behind the car in front of him. Come to find out now this was probably the police trying to get more information about him. Uh, And so they asked the Indiana police to pull him over so that maybe they could get a video of him or maybe video of his body cam footage of his hands to see if he had any cuts or anything, you know. But this is like a month later. 
So it's like, even if he did, they'd probably be healed by now. Right. But either way, on December 16th, the car was spotted in Albrightsville, Pennsylvania, where his parents live. So they knew that he went from Washington back home to Pennsylvania, probably for the winter break. And to get the hell out of Dodge, man. Yeah, but he didn't leave until a month after the Yeah, murders. I know, which is really strange, but like... It's not. It's when winter break was. I know, but like, but he just killed four people. So I guess I guess he has the education. So I guess he's thinking like it's more weird if I leave early yeah. versus just totally. getting through this. Dang. Yeah. So they realized that his phone number was listed from the earlier traffic stops. So the police apply for a search warrant for historical f- cell phone records that show what towers your phone pings off of and stuff like that. And this is when they find out that on the night of the murders, his cell phone was either off or on airplane mode. It wasn't pinging in the time frame of the murders. But they found out that he had been in the vicinity of the house, pinging off the tower for the house, 12 times before the murder. And once the morning after the murder, around 9 a.m. Just to check things out. That's super weird. Wow. I hadn't heard that. I did know that they were able to, like, go and, like, check the pinging and stuff. I didn't know he came back. Do they always come back to the scene of the crime? Yeah. And maybe one of the reasons why he came back was because he's like, hey, that roommate saw me. How come this isn't all over the news? Like, it's a quadruple homicide. Maybe he went there to see, like, you know, the commotion and stuff, and there wasn't any yet because it hadn't even been reported. It wouldn't even be reported for another three hours. It's like he wants something to happen. Or maybe he went back because he knew he forgot the knife sheath. That could be it, too. But, I mean, what's he going to do? I mean, really, like, at that point, what's he going to do? Go in and get it? I don't know. Well, obviously he didn't. Yeah. But this is not looking good for him, like, being that he had been in the vicinity of the house 12 times in the couple months before the murder, like, that's not looking no. good. So the police then go through the trash at his parents' house, and this is when they get DNA, and it comes back as a probable match for the father of the unknown suspect DNA from the sheath. So his parents' trash, his dad's DNA, matched as the probable father of the person who left the DNA on the murder, on the knife sheath. Isn't that cool? That's how far we've advanced in yeah. this stuff. Is like, not only can we be like, oh, that's there's DNA on it, let's test it. We can get so close to the father of the suspect. Like, that's just so cool. Yeah, but that's old technology. That's the weird thing, too, that everybody says that this was solved with genetic genealogy, but that's like old school familial DNA, like going through their trash or picking up a soda can they threw away. Like, I don't, I mean, maybe it'll come out later that they did do genetic genealogy earlier and that's how they zoned in on Kohlberger. But from the affidavit, it seemed like they zoned in on him because of the white Elantra. But that's a huge misconception that I keep seeing, though, is that everybody's like, oh, they solved it with Ancestry.com or 23andMe. It's like, no, they didn't. Absolutely, they did not. You know how I know? Because they can't use those sites. That's a fact. Yeah, it's like... They can use GEDmatch, though. Yeah, but even if they did use genetic genealogy, they would have used GEDmatch or Family Tree DNA. I watched people argue for like two hours on TikTok about this yesterday, about how they used Ancestry.com. It's like, no, they didn't. Why didn't you stitch any of this? It just I don't even respond. I'm like, you're I know, but you should. But, you pissed off is honestly one of my favorite things. It's probably why we're friends, because you used to get pissed off a lot, and I just loved it. But you pissed off on the internet yeah. would be gold. You should really think about this more. It's just like, I just, I don't know. It's so easy to understand. Like, if they had access to Ancestry or 23andMe, there would be no unsolved cases. Like, the one database they're allowed to use has, like, 
a million people in it. If they were allowed to use Ancestry, it has like 30 million. I know. We need to... There would be no Jane Doe's. There would be no unsolved crimes if they were allowed to use those. Well, we got to put it on the bill, huh? Or on the ballot? Make it a measure? No. Well, they're private companies. It has nothing to do with politics. What if we voted to make them release it? Is there a whole thing... They don't have to. They're a private yeah, company. The whole thing about <laughs> it is because, like, it's, it's privacy. Which I don't get. Maybe but, they should okay. uh, make it when you sign up that you have to, like, sign something that says, like, hey, police might be able to find a creep in your family or you... Well, that's what GEDmatch does, is you have to opt in. Even on GEDmatch, you have to opt in. So it's like, why don't they just give people the option to right. opt in? Or to know. upload immediately to GEDmatch. That'd be even better. Like, swipe this yeah. toggle if you want to just go for gold. Yeah, but they won't do it. Anyway, this is like regular DNA stuff they've been doing for years. Although, they could have used genetic genealogy to, like, narrow it down. They haven't said if they did or didn't. It's not in this PCA that they did. So, either way, they nailed him. So the SWAT team busted in at 3 a.m. and arrested him. At his mom and dad's house. Dang. Well, another weird thing that the PCA also showed was that Koberger wrote an essay when he applied for an internship with the Pullman Police Department just a couple of weeks before the murders. And it doesn't seem like he got the job, obviously, because he wasn't working for the Pullman Police Department. Right. But apparently he told them in this essay that he had an interest in assisting rural law enforcement agencies with how to better collect and analyze technological data. Hmm. So... No wonder he didn't get the job. Because <laughs> that's yeah. literally how this rural police department freaking got him, was technical data. I mean, cell phone records, yeah. DNA, pings, all this. It's like, dude, like it's surprising how many mistakes he made for how smart everybody says he is. Well, and how educated he is in this. Yeah. And everybody interviewed said that he's like super smart and you know it as soon as you talk to him, that he's like real smart. And I'm like, is that because he says, hey, I'm real smart? Like, what makes him smart? Because this was not very smart. <laughs> he made some yeah. real dumb amateur mistakes for, which I'm glad he did, but like, for as educated as he is in this, it seems like real stupid mistakes. Well, that's kind of what gets me. Like, the smart thing, sure, you can be very smart and do dumb things, but like, he had an education in this. Like, he right. sought this out. Like, he knew kind of what to do. He kind of had a heads up. He kind of had the playbook. Although my husband made a really good point when I said, I can't believe how many mistakes this idiot made if he has a, a bachelor's and a master's and is PhD candidate in criminal justice. And Matt made a good point. He's like, well, you can get a master's with a D minus average. No, you can't. Oh, you can't? No. What does that mean? It means you have to maintain like a B or above, I think, in a master's program. Oh, do you? Might be a C, but yeah, no, you, can, okay. you can't just scoop, scoot, scoot through. My husband doesn't have a master's, so he wouldn't know. But the way he explained right. it, he's like, yeah, but he, it doesn't mean that necessarily he's good at it. It just means he passed his classes. Yes, and that's true. But still, he like you would think somebody who's as immersed in this, even if they didn't do very well, would be like, okay, at least I know now to leave my phone at home when I go to commit crime. So it looks yeah. like I've been home all this time. Yeah. That's the other thing is that his phone didn't ping at the crime scene during the murders, which means he turned it on airplane mode or turned it off or whatever. But that almost looks worse. Like your phone's never turned I, off or off. You know what I mean? It's always pinging. And then the three hour time gap from when you left to go do a murder and when you came home from that murder, your phone is all of a sudden not like that almost looks worse. Yeah, dude. You need to like print this stuff out or like get your directions off of the Internet and leave your phone at home. Like, I, I, I mean, know. I don't want to give anybody any tips or ideas, but like that just seems pretty. That seems like obvious. That's not even like a it tip. totally does. You know, like this isn't the first case where they've used a cell phone tower to ping somebody like right. for, 
somebody in this world, you would think <laughs> that they would think about this ahead of time. Yeah. I don't know. It's just, it just, to me, it makes me nervous because the other thing that he said was that he can't wait to be exonerated. He didn't say like, I didn't do this. I'm innocent. He said he can't wait to be exonerated. And it's like, oh, that feels gross. It feels like he set this whole thing up knowing that he was what he left behind and how he was going to get caught. And then somehow he's going to get away with this. I do understand where you're coming from. The only argument I could make to that, because otherwise I would say you're right. Is I don't think he's a normal dude like you no. or I, you know, so I don't think his verbiage is going to be normal. So I, I think that something like this, like I can't be wait to be exonerated. It's his way of saying he's innocent. Exactly. Cause it's this way exonerated is he's going to have his day in court. He's going to, the facts are going to be there. He's going to be able to prove why he's innocent, you know? And then I was exonerated for this. He's already being accused of it and being tried for it, but he's going to be exonerated rather than I'm going to, you know, prove I'm innocent or, you know, yeah, maybe. It just feels like, ugh. like I don't know, the, when, when I heard that, I was like, oh, I hope that he's as dumb as he seems like he is. You know, all these mistakes and everything. And that he's not actually as smart as everybody says he is. Because if he is, like, maybe he did all this stuff to literally frame himself so that he could get off on a murder charge. You know what I mean? Yeah. One thing to keep in mind, too, is, is if he is as smart as he seems to be or people say that he is, I guess, he might be able to turn that on and off for the cameras. So he might be able to dumb himself down on camera. So it's like this guy doesn't seem as dumb or, you know, vice versa. So right. Yeah, I don't know. I just I hope he's as dumb as he seems. I hope he's not smarter than he looks. <laughs> but I, I hope it's like the classic... You know, his ego was huge. He thought he was the smartest guy in the room and that he could get away with it. And turns out he wasn't. I hope that's the case. Which is crazy. Like, I, you don't get away with murders anymore, guys. Yeah, but murderers think they do. I know. That's why we're here to tell you. If you yeah. think you can, you can't. Yeah. Like, you're not going to. There's just cameras everywhere. DNA is way too good. Don't yeah. even bother unless you're like willing to die or go to jail. Then what the hell? Yeah. Well, he had a status hearing on January 12th and he waived his right to a speedy preliminary hearing. So the date was set for June 26th. So that's it pretty much. I mean, we probably won't learn much else until June. Probably not because I don't think the lawyers are going to say anything. They can't. There's a gag order. Oh, well, there you go. One thing you said about his face, though, you said his face was all cut up. And I looked oh, yeah. at it and I saw like a mark on his on his, uh, I guess, right side of like his face. But that was it. What were you seeing? Yeah, he had um, like under the right side of his jaw. He had like a, a cut. And then on on his right cheek, he had a cut. And on his left cheek, he had a little cut. Everybody says it's from the cheap razor blades they give you in jail because they can't give you like super sharp, nice razor blades because then people will hurt people or themselves. But yeah. So a lot of people think it's from the cheap razors in jail from shaving his face. But I was kind of oh. hoping it was from getting roughed up a bit. Yeah, but he's like totally like locked away, right? He's not with Gen Pop. No, I'm sure he's in solitary. Yeah, I would think so too. Yeah, they're not going to let anything happen to this guy before they can fry him. And they will yeah. seek the death penalty. It seems like that's where they're going with this. I mean, oh, Idaho I has so, yeah. the death penalty and some of the family members have made it pretty clear that's what they want. So, well, we shall see how this goes. Yeah, and now we don't have to talk about this guy until June. Yep, so we're all caught up. We gave you everything we know, really everything Erica knows, but now you guys know what we know, so uh, we're all set. Yeah, and there's a lot more. There's a lot of like weird things that we didn't even bother to put in here, like that whole 1122 connection thing. 
I don't even know about that. Well, the address of the house where the students were murdered was uh-huh. 1122 King Road, and they were murdered in November of 2022. Oh. And then this guy's birthday is November 21st. But, like, the internet was going wild, and they were like, his birthday is November 22nd. It's like, well, clearly it says that it's the 21st, so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> kind of spoils well, that. you tried. Yeah. So. so, anyway, we didn't talk about weird stuff like that, and we're not going to talk about all the other suspects that got drugged through the mud. Do you want to give your theory though? Because I absolutely love it. (laughs) I don't really know, obviously, because I'm not a PhD. Not yet. But you have to do a thesis to get your PhD, right? I would. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So my thought was like, this was going to be his thesis. So so you're saying that this whole thing was part of his education. Like this was him getting a firsthand deep dive into the criminal world, like the criminal justice world. Yeah, because I really think his ego was so big, I think he thought he was going to get away with this, and then he was going to become a criminal justice professor, and he was going to teach people about a crime he committed. Like, that was... I think that's, like, literally what he was going to do. So you still think he did the crime? Like, you don't think he did it? or 100%. Okay. I mean, allegedly... Innocent until proven guilty, all that stuff. But yeah, obviously. Right. Just making sure. I didn't know if you thought like he left the sheath on purpose. If he's as smart as everybody says he is, I feel like he did do certain things on purpose because he feels like he can fight those things later in court. I don't know that he left DNA on that sheath on purpose. Like maybe he thought he left a clean sheath. Yeah, kind of mess with everybody. Yeah, but I think that there might have been things that he did on purpose, like not turning his phone off when he went to the house 12 times before the murder, but then turning it off the night of the murder so he can have a valid argument to be like, well, I wasn't there. You can't prove I was there. That's crazy. Yeah, I don't know. That makes sense. Yeah, it's hard to know. So anyway, that's that's all we have on Brian Koberger, and that's all I want to know about this guy, because the more I learn about him, the more I don't like anything about him. You do hate him. I've noticed that it's increased over the even if he like even if it turns out it's not him, I'm like ah, he's still just yuck. Yeah. I mean, obviously it was probably him, but like even if it isn't, I'm just like ugh. You just don't like him. I mean, and if it's not him, this ruined his life anyway. So yeah, if it's not him, I'd be real surprised. Yeah, I would be too. But the fact that he like waived his right to a speedy trial, like he's not like trying to enter a plea deal. Like, hey guys, I'm I'm or not a plea deal, but trying to enter a plea and just be like, hey, I'm innocent. Like, let's. Let's get this going. He's like, no, let's take our time. Let's you know make sure we have all of our ducks in a row. Yeah, that's the other thing that weirds me out. It's like if you were innocent, because the preliminary hearing, it's not like a trial. The preliminary is where the state is going to like put for, pretty much it's like a hearing so they can literally present everything that's in that probable cause affidavit and prove that they have a case against him. So it's like, why does he need more time for that? We just gave you the paper that shows everything we have against you. Right. Like, if you're innocent, what do you need more time for? Yeah, no, he did this, and I think he's trying to come up with something to- Allegedly. Prove, allegedly, that he did this. Yeah. Or that he didn't do this. Yeah, I think he's trying to give himself time to poke holes in their case, but- Yeah, I think so, too. Hopefully, their case is more solid than- Because usually there's more to a case than the- The affidavit is just enough to get him arrested. They don't have to put their entire case in the affidavit. So hopefully they have more than just what's in this affidavit. I hope so. I mean, I I hope this is this guy because one, that takes the guy off the streets and two, if it's not, this dude's life's ruined anyway. So I hope, I really do hope that it is him so that nobody else's life is affected by this. 
Yeah. Well, I'm glad we did that, but I'm looking forward to getting back to our normal stuff next week because that's why we do this. We want to know about the you know the interesting cases and the other things that we can help bring attention to. This one, there's a lot of attention to. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I feel like that is my issue. It's not necessarily that these cases are new or like current. It's that it's like, okay, they're getting enough coverage. We don't, you guys don't care about what we think about it. Like we want to tell you about stuff you might not know. Yeah, true. Then that's what's interest us too, you know? Yeah. We like learning about this kind of stuff, not just, you know, regurgitating information that's already out there. We like learning about things we didn't know anything about, which I guess is still regurgitating information, but it's older info. So, hey, it's cooler. Yes, you guys might not know. Yeah. You come here to learn something. That's what we do at From Crime to Crime. We teach. Yep. We don't entertain. Yep. So stay tuned for next week's episode where I'm going to tell Grant about a Jane Doe because he hates them. I can't wait. I'm so excited to learn about her. (laughs) I don't know why. You just hate unsolved things. Yeah, because there's still a lot of work to do, and I like things that are already kind of done, and I can go, oh, that's done. I don't have to worry about it. Cool. Unsolved, I've got to like worry about it. Like, dude, how did they get away with it? Okay, what about this? And that's usually why it leads to like some like really outlandish and you know ridiculous. So, yep. well, don't forget to change your Amazon smile to DNA Doe Project. It's a new year. Come on, New Year's resolution. Make that yours to change it. If you don't have one, now you do. You want to like say your Instagram and all oh. that stuff. Or- it's been that long. You forgot how to outro this. I haven't forgotten how to outro it. I just I did it earlier, so I thought people kind of were already there. Like, the oh new well, then just say goodbye. Probably already followed. No, I don't. No, no, I got you know. <laughs> maybe somebody tuned in halfway through an episode or something at their their end. They're at their end listening with their friends. So uh, that's not hey, how friends. This isn't live radio. Well, yeah, they didn't start it over. They just jumped in. So um, you can visit us at our Instagram at From Crime to Crime or our TikTok at From Crime to Crime. We have a Twitter From Crime with the number two Crime, or you can always email us at From Crime to Crime Podcast at Gmail dot com. Do you like how I pause for dramatic effect? Yeah. I really think it brought it home. People were like, wait, what's the Gmail dot what? Don't worry. It's still just dot com. <laughs> All right. Well, I love you. It was good to talk to you. Right. Yeah, it was nice talking to you too. You're a nice lady. I mean, we spent more time together over the break, but we didn't record anything. And we didn't spend enough time together. I'll say that. How about No, but huh? I did crash your Christmas. Oh, you did come over Christmas Day before, before the yeah. Hanukkah party. That's right. I came over Christmas morning. Yeah, with the New Testament. To remind me. Yep. Actually, I came over with stories about my grandpa. <laughs> and gifts. We And we like both, so we were very happy. Yeah. And I got a gift. Oh, I hung both. up my gift already. Did you? Did you like it? We, For anyone wondering, we gave uh, Erica pictures of ourselves for Christmas. <laughs> 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 me and but my family, my wife, my kids. I will say, though, the one picture of your wedding where you and Christine are laughing hysterically is my only evidence that my best man <laughs> speech was the bomb. It's not the only evidence because I do have that poster board in the closet, but it is the best evidence. Yeah, I mean, it's it's, it's as good as we're going to get because nobody videoed it. I know. I can't believe it. There's very few pictures, too. It was so good. But did I tell you that with that poster board, I hung it up in, in the guest house when Shay was staying here? And so <laughs> she would come in one night and it was just pictures of me staring at her from the bed. <laughs> oh, it was hysterical. That is funny. All right. Well, I love you. All right. I love you too. I'll talk to you later. Okay. Bye. Bye.